Well, today is part four of our series from the book of Ephesians. And you know that we've been talking about that Ephesians is all about the work that God has done for the people of his kingdom. But it's also about how the people of the kingdom are to walk for him. And we're putting up on this wall each week a new word that, explain, that just explains the key topics and the key themes that God is trying to, to build into our hearts and our minds and our souls so that we can really understand what he's trying to say to us. And we hope by the end of, of this series, you'll have these key words just deep in your soul. And you can say, I know this is what God has been trying to say to me in this, in this portion of his word. If you've missed a message, go ahead and uh, listen online, or you can ask for a, a CD on your response card, and we'll mail that out to you. But don't miss any message. Don't miss any part of, of God's word, any key thing that God is trying to say to us here in Ephesians. Now, the word for the message this weekend is, is the word included. And included is something that we all like to, to be. And we all want to be included in our lives. You know, years ago when our kids were uh, young, uh, we were in the car and we were kind of going down the road and we had the radio on and, and the song Stop in the Name of Love came on by the Supremes. You remember that song? Oh, you're all too young, right? <laughs> But the Supremes came on, and so our whole family began to kind of just do the hand motions we'd, we'd seen the Supremes doing, you know. Stop in the name of love before you break my heart. Think it over, you know. And so we were going down the road, and we were doing all of these motions. And when the song was over, I said, hey, guys, did you know that that song was really popular when I was in junior high? And I was trying to give them a little perspective, a little history on when it was written. And our youngest daughter said at that point, Dad, how long ago was that? And I said, well, honey, it was probably about 30 years ago at that time. It was about 30 years ago. She said, but Dad, do you mean that's when the dinosaurs lived? (laughs) True. She actually said that. And at that moment, I felt like saying, yes, Leanne, back in those days, I, I was in junior high. There was no color TVs. Gas was 25 cents a gallon. A Coke, a bottle of Coke was 10 cents. Fresh dairy milk, a a glass jar, gallon jar of dairy milk, straight from the cow, not processed, was 50 cents a gallon. And every morning, honey, we saddled up our dinosaurs and went out to check on the cattle. (laughs) But at six years old, she had a really limited understanding of history. And it it was much the same for those young Christians in this brand new church at Ephesus. They had a very limited understanding of what God had done for them through the life and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. They just didn't really get it all. So Paul, their spiritual father who planted this church and ministered to them for three years, now sitting in a prison cell, his heart is going out to these young believers. And so he writes them this letter that they might really begin to know just how blessed they are by God's original plan for them. And that they might become better informed about God's eternal plan for them. And that they might understand that anyone, no matter how bad they have been, no matter what they have done, they can be remade by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Oh, come on, help me out. Amen? We can be remade by the power of Jesus. And Paul wanted them to understand that. 
Well, today in the last part of chapter 2, he wants them to understand now that they've come to God, now that they've been remade by him, just how included they are in all things of the kingdom of God. As people of the kingdom, they're included in all the blessings of God's kingdom. But as Paul begins, he says, but you were not always people of the kingdom. Not always were you included in the blessings of God. And you and I were like that. There was a time in our lives when we weren't people of the kingdom. There was a time in our lives when we were not included in the blessings of God. Maybe you remember a time in your life when you felt excluded Totally excluded, not only from the things of God, but maybe just excluded from something in life. Possibly in school, there was a group that excluded you. It was the group, maybe in high school, and you wanted to be in the in-group, but for some reason, you were not in the in-group, and you were held outside of the in-group. You were excluded, and that hurt. This week, Shirley is up visiting our granddaughters. And uh, this past Wednesday, some little neighbor girls came knocking on the door. And they said, hey, hey, can the girls come out and play? And uh, Shirley said, well, sure. And immediately the youngest one, Kinsey, ran outside to play with them. But then one of the visiting girls said, no, Kinsey, we didn't mean for you to come out and play. We meant for your sister, Aurora, to come out and play with us. Kinsey was crushed. She had just been excluded. She had just been held outside. As Paul was writing this letter, I want you to know that stuff like that was happening between the Jews and those who were the non-Jews, the Gentiles. These new Christians in this new church were being excluded from God's people, the Jewish people. They weren't allowed to be a part of anything. And so let's look at what was happening as Paul writes this. Verse 11, on your In your Bible or on the screen. Remember that once you were not Jewish physically. Those who called themselves the circumcised, the in-group, because of what they had done to their bodies, called you the uncircumcised. And also at that time, you were without Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and the pledges that God made in his promise were foreign to you. You had no hope, and you were in the world without God. But now through Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So he is our peace. In his body, he has made the Jewish and the non-Jewish people one by breaking down the wall of hostility that kept them apart. He brought an end to the commandments and demands found in Moses' teachings so that he could take Jewish and non-Jewish people and create one new humanity in himself. So he made peace. He also brought them back to God in one body by his cross on which he killed the hostility. He came with the good news of peace for you who were far away, those of you who were excluded, and for those of you who were near, included. So Jewish and non-Jewish people can go to the Father in one spirit. That is why you are no longer foreigners and outsiders, but citizens together with God's people and members of God's family. You are built On the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. In him, all the parts of the building fit together and grow into a holy temple in the Lord. 
Through him, you also are being built in the spirit with others into a place where God lives. Let's ask God to speak to our hearts. Father God, this is your word. You're trying to have a conversation with us. You desire for us to to get it this morning, to get how included we are. So God, speak to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The bottom line is this. Anyone who is in Christ is included in God's house. But understand this. Once you were excluded. And that's what Paul is writing. And he, and he writes about three things that these people in, these, in this new church were excluded from before they became Christians. First of all, write this down. He says, you were excluded from God, from God himself. He's saying to this young church, at one time in your lives, you were separate from Christ. You didn't have a relationship with Christ. You weren't connected with Jesus Christ in any way. Your sin separated you. And your sin was like a great canyon between you and God. You were not of the same kingdom. God has his kingdom of righteousness. You had the kingdom of following yourself, the flesh, the world, sin. And they had this great canyon between you and you two were on separate, separate kingdoms. Today, Paul might have said at one time in your lives, you were separated from Christ. God lived in Anaheim Hills, and you were separated from him because you lived over in your Belinda. And you had this big canyon, the Santa Ana Canyon, in between you. And until Jesus came and decided to build a bridge called Gypsum Canyon Bridge. <laughs> and he came for a visit. There was no way that you could be connected to God's kingdom. But Jesus hung on the cross, and his cross became that bridge between the, the two kingdoms. And Jesus came and made a way for us to know him and know God. The Gentile Ephesians, these non-Jews, were once separated from God. And they were kept separate from the things of God, kind of like lepers in those days were kept separate from those who didn't have the disease. Lepers were always kept outside the city. They were not allowed to participate in the city. To have fellowship with those who didn't have the disease. In every sense of the word, they were being excluded. These new Christians who were excited about their faith. They wanted to become part of the family of God. Were being excluded. So Paul's saying to these young Christians, you were infected with the disease of sin that excluded you from God. Paul says at that time, you were without Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. And the pledges that God made in his promise, they were foreign to you. You had no hope and you were in the world without God. At one time, these people were excluded from God. And at one time, you and I were excluded from God. But beyond that, they were being excluded from God's people. From God's people. Gentiles, non-Jews were not allowed to be citizens of Israel. They were excluded because of their nationality. But they were also being excluded because of religious practices, especially the practice of not being circumcised. You see, the act of circumcision was a Jewish religious practice that says, I am cutting off my foreskin as a symbol that I'm cutting off from the world of sin. 
and I'm setting myself apart for God. And the nations that were not Jewish did not practice that circumcision of the flesh. So all at once, you've got two groups. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Two groups, the circumcised and the uncircumcised, the Gentiles and the non-Jews. And the Gentiles, the uncircumcised, were excluded from the circumcised group. But Paul was called by God to take the message of Jesus to the Gentiles so that all the other nations could be included in his eternal plan. And so Paul began to preach that, yes, everybody needs to be circumcised if they want to be a part of the kingdom of God. They all got to be circumcised. But then he began to preach a different circumcision. He began to talk about a circumcision of the heart. He said, it's one thing to cut off some foreskin, but it's another thing to circumcise your heart and decide in your heart that you're going to be cut off from the things of the world, that you're going to cut off all sinful things, and and you're going to be setting yourself apart for God. So Paul, as you can imagine, was not very popular among the Jews as he preached a circumcision that was different than their custom, and as he began to preach that everybody can be included in the kingdom of God. Because Jews believed that only the nation of Israel could become the kingdom of God. And Gentiles were to be excluded from the religious community, from the kingdom of God forever and ever. So Paul says to this new church, you were excluded. I know you're excluded from the citizenship in Israel. You're excluded from God, from God's people. And then he says, write this down, from God's promises. You're excluded from all the promises of God. You didn't know God. God didn't. Didn't know you, really, because you weren't trying to participate with him. And so you were cut off from God's promises. You know, when you travel to another country, it doesn't take long to feel like you're a foreigner. Thank you, brother. (laughs) Ever been to a foreign country? Doesn't take long as you're walking around to feel like you're a foreigner. And all at once you realize that you're subject to a different government. And, and that government has made promises to their people, and they promise to protect their people, but those promises just don't apply to you. So listen, until Jesus came and gave his life to pay for sin for all people, there was no provision for non-Jews to receive the promises of God. But Jesus came, and Jesus opened the door to the whole world that none might perish, but instead that they might have eternal life. Then Jesus called Paul to be the first person to carry that truth to all the non-Jewish nations. Until Paul, the Gentiles, you and me, we had no one to tell us about Jesus and the eternal life that comes through him. So Paul is saying to these new Ephesian Christians, remember back to a time when you were excluded? Remember when you're excluded from the religious community and from the promises of God? At that time... You were excluded from all the promises and pledges that God made to his people. But now, look at this, things have changed. But now through Christ Jesus, you who were once far away and excluded have been brought near and included by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus became that bridge and he shed his blood to pay for the sins of the world so that all people, Jews and non-Jews, could belong to the kingdom of God. So I like to say it this way, because of Jesus, all those Ephesians and all your Belindans 
and all Anaheim Hillians and all Coronians and all Placentians. And we could go on and on are included in the kingdom of God. If you've come to Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you are included in the kingdom. So Paul begins this by saying, yes, once you were excluded. But then write this down. But now you are included. And I want to say to each one of you, if you have come to God by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about coming to God just by coming to church, going through the motions, showing up once in a while. But if you've really come to God by placing your trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you're following him, you are included in God's kingdom. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. I want you to get that deep in your soul. Write this down. You're in God's family. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. When you close your eyes, your eyes are going to open, and you're going to be opening your eyes and seeing God the Father. You're going to be with him. The Bible says to be absent from the body, finish this with me, is to be with the Lord. You don't know that verse? To be with the Lord. You are in God's family. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, where he used his own body to die for our sins. We can now have peace with God the Father and peace with Christians from every other nation. Every nation can now claim, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. In Christ Jesus, we are one. Amen? Come on, let's just give God some praise for that. That's just awesome. Help me out. In Christ Jesus, we are one. North Americans, Central Americans, South Americans, Russians, Asians, Africans. We could go on and on. We are one in Christ. And I'm reminded of that truth. Every time I go on a mission trip and we begin to worship God together, we are one. Years ago, I went to a missions trip in Central America, and it was an international friends conference, and hundreds of pastors and leaders from all over the world gathered. And it really hit me when we began to sing the same song, but everybody was singing in their their own language. But nothing conflicted. Nothing. It was like one voice in different languages lifting praise to our God. And that's when it hit me. We are one. And it just felt a little bit like heaven's going to feel like. People from every tribe, language, color, nation are going to be lifting their voices to God. And it's going to be beautiful. You are included in God's worldwide family now and forever. So Paul says, because we're all one, write this down, let there be no division among you. You see, there was division between the Jews and the Gentiles going on. They were divided. They were two groups. These young people in this church had come to Christ They were no longer excluded. They were included, but they were divided, and they couldn't fellowship. The circumcised couldn't fellowship with the uncircumcised. But the death of Jesus made it possible for there to be peace between these two groups. By his death, Jesus came and set up a brand new way for people to get right with God. No longer was it through the keeping of the law. No longer was it to be through the commandments, through the rituals, through the ordinances, like, like circumcision. And all of those things were good because they helped people understand their sin and how to be forgiven. Now, Jew and Gentile could come to God through the person of Jesus Christ and get right with God the Father. Jesus tore down that division. Jesus brought peace 
between the groups. Jesus made the two groups into one. And now all who come to him, Jew or Gentile, all who circumcise their hearts, all who cut themselves off from sin in their hearts and decide to repent of their sin and follow Jesus, get the gift of grace and the gift of life and are included in God's family. The Bible says, so he, Jesus, is our peace. In his body, he made the Jewish and non-Jewish people one by breaking down the wall of hostility that kept them all apart. You are included in God's worldwide family. So let there be no divisions over how people do stuff. Then write this down. Let there be no dissension among us as believers. Let there be no bickering between Christians of different nations, different denominations, different languages, different churches, pastors, professors, teachers of the faith. God the Father is the judge of all. And if a group is a part of the family of God, if they've come to Jesus, to God through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of all, it doesn't matter whether we circumcise or not. It doesn't matter if we take baptism as immersion or just sprinkling or we immerse frontwards or backwards. It doesn't matter when we take communion, if we have little cups and little wafers with something printed on them, or, or if we do like we do here, we just buy some really good Hawaiian bread and tear it apart, and, and we dip it in a goblet. Doesn't matter how we serve Jesus. Doesn't matter how we follow Jesus. We're going to have different ways of doing it, but it doesn't matter. So let's not bicker about that stuff. Let's not divide on that stuff. In golf, nobody has the same swing. But there's a lot of golfers who win at the game of golf. And in Christianity, nobody has the same way of serving God. But there's a lot of churches who are winning at winning people to God. So we're not to go to battle with other Christians on how they follow Jesus or how they serve Jesus. Because we are one. Amen? We are one in the body of Christ. The Bible says, he, Jesus, brought an end to the commandments and demands found in Moses' teachings so that he could take Jewish and non-Jewish people and create one new humanity in himself. So he made peace. Let there be no division or dissension in God's family. We're included in a worldwide family, and beyond that, we're included in God's work. Together as believers, we're included in a work in this world for God. You've got a purpose, and your purpose is to build something really special during your lifetime. We're to be involved in building a temple. Your job is to be a temple builder. And a lot of people come to me, Pastor, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. You know, I, I wish I knew God's will, and I'd, I'd follow God's will if I knew it, but I don't know what God's will for my life is. Yes, you do. I'm telling you right now, you're to be a temple builder. That's God's will for your life. The job of every Christian is to build a beautiful temple for God the Father to inhabit with his very own spirit. And the building begins with Jesus. Write this down. Strive to build your life upon Jesus. If you build your life, if you build your own personal temple upon Jesus, upon his words, upon his actions, upon his examples... Upon his life, if you build your temple upon him, you're going to have a rock-solid foundation. You know, every builder knows that if the first stone that's laid 
the first brick, the first block, if it's laid right, the others that come behind it will be laid right. If it's laid true, the rest will be right. The Bible says you are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. Christ laid the foundation right. And if you build your life upon Jesus Christ, your life will be right. In other words, strive to do nothing unless Jesus can be the foundation for what you are doing. If he can't be the foundation, don't do it. Strive to do nothing unless Jesus can be pleased with what you are doing as you build upon him. Strive to do nothing unless Jesus can be honored to be the support for what you are building and doing in your life. You are included in God's work of building a temple. So always strive to build your life upon Jesus. Amen? Build upon Jesus, the cornerstone. And then next, strive to build a life that's beautiful for him. God's desire is for you to build a life, a temple that he can inhabit. He wants your body to be his home. He wants your temple to be his home where his Holy Spirit can dwell. And so you're to build your life, your body into a beautiful temple for God. And, and although we are to be good stewards of our physical bodies, and if we are, we can serve God with greater and greater strength and energy. And as Americans, we've got gyms everywhere, and that's good because as Americans, we need to take better care of our, of our bodies. We're to be a good stewards of, of this temple. But what I don't want you to do is get so caught up in only working your physical body. Because what God really looks at is your heart. Amen? He looks at your heart. Is your heart circumcised or not? Are, are you really living for me or not? And so that's what he wants you to do is build a beautiful heart. He wants to, to live in a person, a temple that's fully surrendered to him. One that's fully glorifying him in mind and body and spirit. That's what he wants. And when you do that, you are building a life that's beautiful for Jesus. But you're doing something else. You're also building a temple, a life that's a witness for Jesus in this world. Because some people know you before Jesus, you see. Some people know you when you were excluded from the family of God. And they say, I remember that guy. He was a chronic liar. He didn't lie anymore. What happened? That guy was an alcoholic. He doesn't drink anymore. What happened? That, that guy was, was horrible. He, all, he just lived for himself, neglected his wife, neglected his family. Now he's the best family man in the world. What happened? And you, be, you become this witness to the whole world. You were once controlled by sin, but now you're controlled by the kingdom of God. But beyond this, when all Christians are doing this around the world together... We're becoming a beautiful temple together for Jesus around the world. And we're becoming a worldwide witness for Jesus. And together, as believers around the nations, we're building upon each other. And we're building a massive temple. We're building a massive church. We're building a massive witness that our God not only lives, 
but that our God has all power and dominion and authority and he reigns over all. And all of God's people says, amen. The Bible says in him, all the parts of the building are coming and fitting together. And they're growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Through him, you also are being built in the spirit together with all these others around the world into a place where God lives. You're to be a temple builder. That's God's will. That's God's job for you. You're included in God's family and his work of temple building. So build on Jesus and build a beautiful temple for your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ. Once you were excluded, but now, says Paul, now says the word of God, you are included. Everybody say included with me. Included. Let's all say I am included. I am included. Let's all say I'm included in the kingdom of God. I am included in the kingdom of God. Let that sink deep into your soul this afternoon. As you go home and you flip on the TV or you sit on the bleachers at a ball game, wherever you're going today, just keep saying, I'm included. I'm included in the kingdom of Almighty God. Let's bow our heads together. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, Pastor, it makes sense to me. But if you've been talking, I've realized I'm on the wrong side of the canyon. I've been living in the kingdom of sin. And if I was really honest, even though I come to church once in a while and I'm, I'm trying to figure out this thing about following God, if I was to be really honest, there's more sin in my life than there is righteousness in my life. And to be really honest, I'm not really fully surrendered to him. If that's where you are this morning, I invite you to pray this prayer as I pray it out loud. You pray it in your heart. And today you can repent, you can turn away from your sin, and you can fully turn to God. Would you do that as I pray this prayer? Pray it in your heart. Father, thank you for all you've done to let me be a part of your family. I no longer want to be excluded. I want to be included. So Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for all my sins. I believe you died to pay for my sins. I believe you're preparing a place for me to live. A place in heaven with you forever. Right now, I confess you to be my Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer this morning, the Bible says if we confess Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord before men, he'll confess us before the Father. Would you just say, Pastor, I want to let you know, I want to make that confession. I prayed that prayer right now. Just lift your hand wherever you are. I prayed that prayer. Awesome, awesome. Great. Anybody else? Okay. Let's pray again. Father, I pray that you'd give each person who sincerely prayed that prayer an awesome sense of your presence. Let them feel that they've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let them sense, Lord, as they leave this place that they're not leaving you 
but you've come into their heart and life and they are now included in the kingdom of God. Lord, put a real sense of peace in place of where there used to be restlessness and confusion. Lord, bless them now, I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.